How are y'all doing? So for those who are just now joining us here in person, those who are just now joining us online in our overflow rooms, my name is Josh Byrne, I'm lead pastor, so welcome. Uh, you are here in the middle of a series in the book of First Timothy. Actually, it's going to be in the books of Timothy up until Christmas time called Faith Over Fear. And I don't know if you've been awake for the last, I don't know, year, 2020, but it seems like we live in a fearful time. Every time I turn on the news or uh, go on the Twitter, it seems like it's getting worse. It seems like there is fear that is promoted in every aspect of our lives. And we believe that that's not what God wants for us. So here's our heart this morning for you. If you are a Christ follower, our desire as a church that you would be encouraged and strengthened by the word of God to serve him more faithfully than you ever have before. And we know that there are some of you here that are not Christ followers. Maybe you're watching online and you've not given your life to Jesus Christ. Well, you're watching today because the Holy Spirit is already putting roots of the gospel in your life. You're here for a reason. God wants you to know his love and experience his love. So our prayer today is that you would say yes to Jesus Christ. Uh, I got a call several weeks ago and uh, a buddy of mine said, Hey, I have a friend that works with me or for me and uh, he's followed Jesus Christ and he wants to get baptized, but he doesn't know of a church in the area. I said, I can help him with that. Um, so that friend shows up today. I, I see someone waiting in the foyer and he's like, hey, this is my name. And I was like, man, it's so great to see you. So he's here today for the first time because he, he wants the world to know that he's given his life to Jesus Christ. Right? Is that not the way it should work? We should be hearing stories of life change every day of the week. What a powerful testimony that is. As we look at the word today, I believe other lives are going to change. I believe we're going to have other friends that come to faith right now because of the Spirit of God working in you and through you and for you. So go ahead and turn to 1 Timothy 2. Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to read from verse 1 and following. So if you're just now catching up, this is a, a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a young pastor named Timothy. And really, he's telling Timothy, listen, the, the local church, this is where the power of God is working out in the world. So he's saying this, Timothy, if you're not connected to a local church like you should be, you're not doing what God wants you to be doing in your life. And I know the American in you says, well, I need to separate this, my faith and the local church. And God says, no, Timothy, it's the same. If you want to see the power of God working in your life, he's not going to work in you or through you, independent of what he's already doing in the world through the local church. That's how important that you are in my life. That's how important I am in your life, right? We are in this together. That's the purpose of God working out in the gathering of the saints. That's why Timothy is written as an encouragement to the people of God. And today we're simply going to see this. If you want a powerful life, you better have a prayerful life. So if you say, I'm all in, faith over fear, let's go. Well, the Word of God says we will never live a life of faith until we live a life of prayer. So today's message is very simple, a prayerful life. And I know we're going to start kids ministry in a couple weeks, um, but as a parent... I love, hearing, I love hearing little voices in our service together. 
Because whether they know it or not, they're seeing and they've seen adults and parents and grandparents pray to God today. Never underestimate your physical example to little eyes. And what if the greatest thing we do today is model to these little ones what a prayerful life looks like? So let's read the word of the Lord. Beginning in verse 1, 1 Timothy chapter 2. Paul says this to the church. He says, first of all, then I urge that petitions and prayers and intercessions and thanksgiving be made for everyone. For kings and those who are in authority. So that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and in dignity. This is good and it pleases God, our Savior, who wants... If you ever ask the question, what does God want? This is what God wants. God wants everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. If you've ever asked, what is God's will for my life? Here is God's will for, for your life. That you would be saved and you would come to the knowledge of the truth in Jesus Christ. For there is one God and one mediator between God and humanity, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself, as we've already sung today, as a ransom for all, a testimony at the proper time. For this I was appointed a herald and apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying, and a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and in truth. Let's pray. Father, we desire to live a faith-filled life. Lord, we desire that we would have faith over fear because we live in a world that promotes fear. Lord, help us not buy into the lie that fear is rampant. Help us not buy into the lie that fear is overwhelming or fear conquers all. But Lord, may we understand the truth of the Word of God that with faith in Jesus Christ, not even the gates of hell will prevail against you and your church. So Lord, would we pray like never before because we know a praying people are a powerful people. Lord, we want that. And we only find prayer through your Spirit. So Lord, would you do something in us? Would we expect something great today? Because you are here. Lord, we ask this in the name that is above all names, the name that we have already sung about, the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. So let's start where the Bible starts. That's always a good place, right? Um, so the first thought is this. You and I should live prayer-filled lives. So verse 1, chapter 2, um, the Bible makes it easy for us, right? He says, first of all. Now, I grew up in Mississippi, just a simple guy. So I, I was always taught, you keep the plain things, the plain things, and the main things, the, the main things. So if the Bible says first, we should probably start there. First, they, I don't know who said, God bless you. That's a crown in heaven for that person. Right? We should start there at first. And I, I'm a firm believer that God not only has given us his word, but he, he shows us through his spirit how to read his word. So sometimes we try to make it too difficult. If the Bible says, first of all, hey, start there. 
And where should we start in our spiritual lives? First of all, I urge that petitions. We start with prayer. Paul gives four words here for, the, uh, for prayer. And they really are, um, they're not all-encompassing, but it's just a reminder that these are different types of prayer. Now, it's interesting in the Greek, the original language, that these are plurals. So, really, he's saying this is what you do as a church when you're together. You do it individually, but also together. So you pray this way. You First of all, I urge that petitions. Petition is a crying out to the Father because of a deep need in your life. Anyone ever felt that? Have you ever come before God and you just feel like, God, this is weighing on me. Am I, am I alone? In, right? You know what Paul urges us? He says, go to the Lord. Because here's what the truth of God says. That the Spirit, even when you don't have the words to pray, the Spirit is praying for you, in you, and through you. So so when you feel like you have that weight, and maybe that's you today, and you say, well, I, I can't bring that weight to God, listen to the words of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. He says, hey, guys. Come to me, all who has that heavy weight. Anyone who's weary today, come to me, give it to me, and I will give you rest. That's what a petition is. Petition is saying, God, my heart's breaking because I have a family member stuck in addiction. God, you know this weight because I've heard, I've had a diagnosis of cancer this week which we've had in this church. God, you know my heart is heavy because I've had a loved one that's passed away this week. God, you know my heart's heavy because I have a son or a daughter who have wandered away from the faith. God, where are you? And God says, give me that. Give me that need. That's the power of prayer. I urge you with petitions, this deep-seated need. He says, I... Also, come to the Lord today with, with prayers. It's a general word for general prayers. The thanksgiving and urging and, and need. But that's not all. He says intercessions. Come before God with intercessions and prayers. And also this, this word of petitions, intercessions, and prayers. The word intercession means you're coming to God. And we didn't even plan this. But Frank who's leading our deacons and is doing a phenomenal job, says that we should come to God with expectancy. Intercession is coming to God with a request, with the expectation that he's going to hear and answer. The picture in the ancient world of someone coming before the king and saying, King, I need something that only you can do, and I believe that you'll do it. What a powerful reminder in Christ. That you can come before the king and you can ask him anything because he has the power to do anything in his will. It's, that, it's the reminder that only a child is foolish enough to wake up the king at 2 a.m. for a glass of water. That's intercession. I'm saying, God, I'm coming to you because only you can answer this. Are you interceding? Are you coming to God with expectancy Seeking a favorable response? And you say, well, well, I know the early church had power. Where did that power come from? The power in the early church came from prayer. 
If we do nothing right in our lives, may we pray. And don't we see that modeled in Jesus Christ? Jesus is casting out demons, and there are some demons that the, the disciples are trying to cast out. And Satan, I guess, is like, no, you're not. Um, and they go to Jesus and they say, Jesus, why couldn't we do that? And there are many times that Jesus says, hey, these are only cast out by prayer. So if you ever get down on yourself thinking, well, sometimes I just do and I don't pray first, you're not alone. The disciples are in the same boat. A praying people are a powerful people. How did God shake the entire Roman Empire? Because the church was a praying church. Go to the Lord with petitions and prayers and intercessions and thanksgivings. It's a reminder last week that when Paul is recounting what the Lord has done in his life, he gets to the end of this and he just goes into a, a monologue, right? He says, well now, to the king, eternal, immortal, to the only God, invisible, be glory and honor forever and ever. Amen. It's the reminder that the people of God should spontaneously burst into thanksgiving in their lives. Because I know God knows my needs. I know He hears my prayers. I know that He is meeting what I need in a favorable response. Therefore, we will be thankful. When's the last time that you just came before God and you said, Lord, I just want to pray and thank you for what you've done. Lord, and I, I want to thank you for not answering the prayers that I wanted to answer. Because if you had answered those prayers, I would be in a world of hurts. Anyone ever pray those prayers? That you look back and you say, Lord, thank you for not hearing my prayer. Because I was going to make a disaster of my life. Lord, thank you for being gracious. Thank you for being merciful. This is the power of a prayer-filled life. And you say, well, pastor... Okay, I get it. I'm going to pray. I'm going to intercede. I'm going to petition. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to give thanks. So you tell me who I should pray for. Here's your answer. You ready for it? Everyone. Look at verse 1 again. First of all, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, thanksgivings be made for only the people you like. That would have been my version. Only your favorite sports team. Only, only your neighbors. No, God says, pray for everyone. What a great weight that you bear as a Christ follower. There is no one that you have encountered this week that does not need your prayers. And I was listening to a sermon as I was working in the garage yesterday. And this hit me like a... a sometimes the Spirit just hits me and it's a weight on my shoulders and my heart and this pastor said this what if what if your neighbor moved in across the street from you because God wanted them to meet you so that they would hear about Jesus what if someone ran across you at the grocery store this week because God in his infinite wisdom wanted that person to meet you because he put you there to pray for them that they might see Jesus Christ are we a praying people are you a praying people? And I've just learned, listen, I don't want to tell people I'm praying for them. Just do it. Right? Because, listen, if you're like me, I, I have told people before, none of you, of course. Um, 
just want to get that out there. But I've told people, for, you know, I'm going to be praying for you. And then something gets my attention, and I look back a week later, and I miss it. And I don't want to be a liar. I don't want to be so busy I forget to keep the main things the main things and the plain things the plain things. Listen, church, the best thing you can do is just pray for them. Don't tell them you're praying for them. Pray either over them or pray for them. Just do it. A prayer-filled life is a powerful life. And you say, okay, I'm in. I'm in. It's the reminder that prayer is of first importance. It's not last resort. So now what? What what does prayer lead us to? Well, a prayer-filled life will lead you to a peace-filled life. Anyone want peace in their life this week? I'll just take today. It's 2020. Lord, give me peace today. How do you find peace in your life? It is through prayer. And this is how it happens. Look at verse 2. So pray for everyone. Okay, and then now here are some of these people. For kings and those in authority, so that you may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Now, some of you are like me. I have, we have two kids at home. One's eight and one's five. I don't even know what the word tranquility means. But I'm sure it exists. And I want that. But that's not what Paul's saying. He's, he's saying that when you give your life to Christ, when you lead a prayer-filled life, that God is doing something in you and through you to bring peace, to bring hope, to bring joy. So what is that? So where do we start when we pray for everyone? You start at the top. And the Word of God says, pray for your kings. Now some of you are thinking, okay, I... We, we don't live in a monarchy anymore, so we're off the hook. Nah, that's not right. Pray for those in authority over you. This is, a, this is a call that becomes infinitely more important. When you realize that the president's not in charge at this time, it's the emperor, it's the Caesar Nero. A man infamous for, at one point in his life, towards the end of his reign, he is putting Christians on stakes in his garden. He is setting them on fire to light his garden. Think about that. This is the man. This is potentially the man that Paul is saying, listen, pray for your king. Pray for your Caesar. And how much more is the burden on us now to continue to pray for our leaders? So let me bring this to 2020 real quick. Some of us, some of you, have bought the lie that if your president or the man you voted for is not in office, then you will not be able to live a life that that God wants for you. Listen, can I just say something gently? Paul had no vote to bring Nero to power. Do not buy the lie that your spiritual life is determined by a man or a woman who sits in a chair on Pennsylvania Avenue. My spiritual destiny and my spiritual present is determined by the Son of Man who sits on the throne in heaven. And one day, we'll sit on that throne in the new Jerusalem. 
I can be everything that God wants me to be right now under the rule of Nero, under the rule of President Donald Trump, or whoever that next president might be. Do not buy the lie that your spiritual condition is determined by those who are over you. Your spiritual condition is determined by the Holy Spirit living in you because of the ransom that Jesus Christ has paid on your behalf. May we get that. Paul had no vote. And do I pray for Christian leaders? Absolutely. I'm thankful to live in a country where we have a vote. Use it. And vote according to the word of God. Vote according to the conviction of what the Holy Spirit has done in you. But never think that your spiritual condition is determined by the king, little k. Your spiritual condition is determined by the king of all kings. You know, the king that one day says, every government will be upon his shoulders. Because the Bible says that kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. But the kingdom of God will last forever. This is peace. And so when people say, I don't know what's going to happen. There's an election. I say, yeah, there's been an election every four years. Like, what's, what's the problem? Been that way since, I guess, 1776. I know I'm going to get an email on that to correct me, but just assume I'm right. Send me jburnham at bethelnet.com. Go ahead. Fire away. But may we live in a world that says, whoever's in power, you know, I'm going to pray for you. But my God is in control. This is the peace-filled life. And so some of you are just thinking, well, I'm going to ignore. I don't care if it's Republicans or Democrats. I'm just going to ignore that. You don't have the right to do that as a Christian. You don't. So this is what the Word of God is, is telling you. He says this, you are to pray for kings and those in authority. Why? So that you may lead tranquil lives and quiet lives with all godliness and dignity. Why do you pray and how do you pray? Pray in a way that seeks the welfare of the state you're living in. Right? Pray. People should look at Christians and we, they should say, I'm thankful that a Christian is here because you love our community. You're praying for Nero and everyone hates Caesar. And yet you're praying for him? What's with you guys? And we said we're praying because God wants us to live this way. He wants us to live in tranquility. That means, in, that means untroubled from without. I, I love that. No matter what happens, I'm going to be untroubled because I have peace in my heart. Because I'm going to live a prayerful life. Quietness, the same. He says, not only when you pray, you pray for tranquility and you lead quiet lives, you lead a life of godliness. Which is a familiar concept in the ancient world. It's a, it's a concept of unique devotion to the Messiah. People will look at you and they should say, wow, you take your faith seriously. Novel idea, right? Christians should take their faith seriously with conviction. It changes our lives. And then, because we're praying and seeking the welfare of our nation and our state and our community... Not only do we lead lives of tranquility and quietness and deep devotion, but with dignity. Dignity is a seriousness of faith that manifests itself in right and proper behavior. 
is, is character, right? It's, it's doing what is right even if no one's watching. Some of us think, well, I, I'm just going to do what's right when, when people see me. That's not what Christ followers do. Because we know that God is always watching. And I want to live my life to honor my Savior. To say, God, if no one else in this world sees, I don't care. I want to pray for my leaders. I want to lead a life of tranquility and dignity. Because, Father, I know you're watching. And I want to make you proud. Lord, that is our hope. This is a prayer-filled life. These are peace-filled lives. And in all of this, God says what? If you lead a life of tranquility and quietness and dignity, God says, what about you? He says, this is, this is good. It's the same word that when God creates over and over again in Genesis. God made light. And he said, first day that this is good. Tob, this is good. What does God want for you? He wants to work through you to promote peace in this world. What a powerful example. We must pray. Let me ask you this. Have you prayed for this president as much as you did the last president? Right. Did you pray for the last president as much as you pray for this president? I don't see a qualifier in the text. Does that make sense? I wish I could write in, pray for your king when you voted for him or her. Pray for kings and those over you. May that be our heart. And if, listen, if our president ever listens to this, if our governor ever listens to this, I, I want them to know that we are praying for you. If you know nothing else about Bethel Church, we are going to lift you up and we are going to pray for you because we believe that's what God wants us to do. And this is good. Prayer-filled lives are peace-filled lives. But we also see in our prayers the purpose of that. So look at the next verse with me. The purpose of our prayers in verse 4. This is good and it pleases God our Savior. Who wants everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So the, the goal of today's message is not prayer. Now, some of you are thinking, okay, you just said the, the title is a prayer-filled life. There's a deeper purpose in why we pray. Like The goal of your prayers is that God may work in you and through you and save the world. Like That's God's hope in, in our lives. And so we pray for the salvation of those in our life. And so who does God want to save? Okay, is there anyone you can think of in your life that's not part of the all category? We, we know that, but sometimes we forget, don't we? Like God wants to save all people. And you know why I'm so thankful for that? Because you know, who, you know who's part of the all category? I, I am. If God were a fair God, you talk about fairness, if God were fair, I would never be saved. I'm not Jewish. I'm a sinner. But, but I'm so thankful for a father, an eternal father that says, listen, I want everyone to be saved. And, and I don't even know in my life who has, was praying for me. I'll, I'll probably never know this side of heaven. 
until I get to heaven and someone's going to say, hey, I know you, I never met you, but hey, my name's Tom and when you were a kid, I was praying for your salvation. Josh, welcome. Can you imagine what a wonderful day that would be? The purpose of our prayers is for the salvation of the world. This is God's desire. And it's a reminder that when my prayers end with me and only my needs and only my desires, they stop short of God's eternal purposes. If, if my prayers only end in Josh, I'm restricting what God wants to do. That's why he says pray for everyone. Pray for kings and authorities and neighbors and family. and People need Jesus Christ. These are the purpose of our prayers. Are you praying for those far from God? And then we see how salvation occurs. Right here in verse 5. He says that everyone should come to the knowledge of the gospel. That is an understanding that Jesus saves. And this is how. There is one God. How many gods? Okay, you can't just worship who you want to. You can't just say, well, I'm going to make a little, I'm going to make a God. And I'm going to worship this God. And if I worship this God with my whole heart because I'm in ignorance, if I just worship in ignorance of unbelief of the one true God, but I worship my God, then the one true God will understand my devotion to my God and I will go to heaven. That's a convoluted way of what many people in our world think. I'm just going to do me and one day God will understand because I do it with a sincere heart. There is only one God. And because there is one God and he is holy and he is perfect and just and, and you are very sinful, all of sin comes short of the glory of God. Now, me and God are in conflict eternally because of my sin. So I can never, you can never be with God because of your sin. So if it depends on you to go to heaven, you have no hope. How much hope do you have? None. But there's a mediator. Let's talk about that mediator. You know what a mediator does? The mediator takes two people who are in conflict and says, I'm going to bring you back together. And on the cross of Jesus Christ, Jesus said, Father, I know the only way that Josh can have forgiveness is for me to die. And so I will shed my blood. That way this eternal conflict will be satisfied. That's what Jesus did for you. And there is one God and he is holy and I am infinitely sinful. And there is one, how many mediators? There is one mediator. And it is Jesus Christ who reconciles us back. And he did so by giving his life another a very deep theological word. It's a word for ransom. It means a price paid for freedom. Anyone want to be free today? Anyone just say, I hate freedom. Lock me up for life. Anyone fill out a connect card, Bethelnet.com? We'll make that happen. No, no one wants that, do they? Like No one wants to live in chains eternally. That's what hell is. It is being away from the greatest thing in your life, a relationship with the eternal Father forever. That's why hell is described as a prison. That's why the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Satan closes us behind gates. Jesus opens that door. 
because he gave his life for your freedom. This is the purpose of prayer. So when you pray for your family, when you pray for your neighbors, your coworkers, the nation, you are interceding on behalf and by the heart of your Heavenly Father. Think about that. When I pray for my family and my neighbors, that God, would you save them? Like God says, Josh, you have the same heart that I have right now. Because I, I want everyone to be saved. That's why I gave my son Jesus Christ, that those who are enslaved to their sin, they would find freedom. And I don't know about you, but just think of the eternal weight of God. I can pray with your heart. I don't want my prayers to end with me. I want my prayers to encompass the whole world. This is the purpose of our prayer. I want to end with this quote, um, just to encourage us to pray by S.D. Gordon. He wrote a book called Quiet Talks on Prayer, and this is what he says. I think it's up on the board for you. He says, the great people of the earth today are people who pray. I do not mean those who talk about prayer. Anyone ever guilty of that? Yeah. Nor those who say they believe in prayer. Anyone guilty of that? Anyone ever been to a Baptist prayer meeting where we do everything but pray? Anyone ever been to those? I've always thought, what, why do we, let's just call it a talk meeting. But anyway, I'm guilty. I'm not saying, I've been there. I've led those. God, forgive me. Nor those who can explain about prayer. But I mean people who take time and pray. They have not time. It must be taken from something else. And this something else is very important. Very important and pressing. But still less important and less pressing than prayer. If you're like me, sometimes I'm guilty and say, Lord, if you would just give me more time, I would pray. And God's response is, I gave you 24 hours. You prioritize your life, Pastor. But I've showed you the importance of prayer. Will you pray? Man, I hope that my life would be a prayer-filled life. Because I want to live a powerful life and a peaceful life. That the purpose of my prayers is the salvation of the nations. That one day, that someone might get up to heaven if I precede them, that they say, Josh... You never really met me, but thank you for praying because you didn't know you were praying with the same heart of our Heavenly Father and He heard your prayer and He used you to change my heart. There, there would be no greater reward in my life than that. Would we pray like it matters? Oh, that we would pray for our kings and those in authority and those in our life. And what if God moved your neighbor into your neighborhood this year, because he wanted that neighbor to meet you. Because he knew that when that neighbor meet, met you, that you would pray and that you would share Jesus. And that when your neighbor met you, that they would meet Jesus and that they would say yes to the greatest gift anyone could give. This gift of freedom, this ransom in Jesus Christ. So church, if you are in Christ, would you pray this week like never before? Like it matters? That we'd be a powerful people because we're a praying people. And maybe you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You think, well, 
I don't want to live a life where I go to hell. I don't want to live my life in an eternal prison or a present prison because of my sin. Here's God's heart for you. God desires that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So if you've been convicted of your sin today and you want to say yes to Christ, would you just pray a simple prayer? It could sound something like this. It's not the words, it's the heart. God, I know I've messed up and I know I've sinned. God, I know I'm at conflict with you. But I believe Jesus is that mediator that stood in the gap with his hands stretched out on the cross. So today, God, I say yes to Christ, who is my ransom. God, would you forgive me? And I will follow Jesus all the days that I live. If you prayed a prayer like that, or if you want to, the Bible says that God hears your prayer. That he will save you, and he has saved you. And we would love to celebrate your new life. Church, a prayerful people are a powerful people. But the purpose of our prayers are for the salvation of the nations. So as we go into our time of response, I'll be down front. If you would like me to pray for you, to pray with you, to encourage you. But this altar is open. You can come to the front and pray. But would we pray like it matters? Father.